Church, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're in the last six verses, verses 13 through, what is it, 13 through 18? I can't count. Let me share with you this verse before we get started into our text. Let me share with you out of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Amen? By the way, scientists have computed that it takes one-fiftieth of a second to blink an eye and that a person blinks 25 times a minute. Thus, a motorist who averages 55 miles per hour on a 10-hour trip drives 33 miles with his eyes shut. (laughs) That has nothing to do with our message this morning, but I just thought that was funny. If you're not already there, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. Let's read those together, church. But we do not want you to be uninformed. Most of these people in that video were uninformed, yes? But we do not want you to be uninformed, Paul and Timothy and Silas, right? Brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For we say this, or for we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, And with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. There's our answer. There's our answer. It's called the rapture. We're going to talk about that. And we're just going to feel the warm embrace of our God when, as we do. Let me share this from you from Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite uh, commentators that I, that I like to look at. He says this. He says, how can mortal man penetrate beyond the grave and find assurance and peace for his own heart? From Old Testament days until present, mankind has tried to solve the riddle of death and the afterlife. Philosophers have wrestled with the question of immortality Spiritists have tried to communicate with those who have gone beyond. In our modern world, scientists have investigated the experiences of people who claim to have died and returned to life again. They have also studied occult phenomena, hoping to find a clue to the mystery of life after death. But Paul, see, he solved this problem when he wrote what we just read. Verse 15 of chapter 4 in 1 Thessalonians, he says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. This is what happens. Paul solves that problem that we see these people in this video not understanding. We Christians need not wonder about death or life after death. For we have a revelation from God in his word. Why substitute human speculation for divine revelation? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are just so grateful that you have made it so clear to us 
as Paul writes in verse 13, Lord, that we do not need to be uninformed, that we can be informed. And with that information, that we can have hope. So we thank you, Almighty God, for the hope that you give us through Jesus Christ. That if we die in Christ, that we have hope for our future. We're assured hope for our future. It's in your name we pray, Lord. And everybody said, amen. So check this out. The pagan world in Paul's day, they had no hope of life after death. Here's a typical inscription on a grave of a pagan uh, person during Paul's time. Check this out. I was not, I became, I am not, I care not. Well, that's inspiring. Wow, that's pretty bleak. That's a person that's uninformed. Here's some interesting theories on life after death. (laughs) According to the imagination of director Tim Burton, when we die, we continue to live in the form of ghosts stuck in a parallel dimension from which only an iconoclast exorcist can free us. That's pretty clear. I have no idea what that means. One of six destinies await Buddhists when they pass away. They may be reincarnated as gods, demigods, humans, animals, hungry ghosts, or sent to the realm of hells. If you are a good person, chances are you'll be reborn. Chances are you'll be reborn in one of the first three categories. Hindus believe in reincarnation. According to them, you will be reincarnated 52 million times as a plant, animal, etc., before returning to human form. That's going to take a while. According to proponents of solipsism, anybody heard of that? (laughs) You are the only person who exists. And the entire universe is but the fruit of your imagination. Now, there's some people in my life and your life that we just wouldn't imagine being in our life. So I know that ain't true, because if that were true, I would unimagine it out. I think I said that right. You get what I'm saying, right? We got people like that. It says that thus when you die, logically, the universe will no longer exist. Okay, that's a trip. For the pharaohs of ancient Egypt, death was temporary. This is why it was so important to properly preserve bodies by mummification so they could be in their best possible state for their second life. Uninformed. Uninformed. We're going to do two things today. We're going to look at some information because Paul says, I want you to be informed. And so there's information is helpful. So we're going to look at some information and then we're going to look at the inspiration from that information. When we get informed with truth, with scripture, that should inspire us. In our, in our walk with the Lord, okay? So information and inspiration. I want to read our text again. Let's read those six verses again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. Paul writes, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy say this, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that means dead, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have No hope. Almost everybody in that video had no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we, so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So the first thing we're going to cover is some information. Let's talk about some information. Just like those in the video clip that we just watched, people during the Apostle Paul's time were also deficient in their understanding of death. Let's read verse 13 again. But we do not want you to be uninformed. They were uninformed and they didn't want them to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. That word uninformed is the same word as ignorant. We're not to be uninformed. We're not to be ignorant. We're not to ignore truth. When we ignore truth, bad things happen, right? Let me ask you, is it better to navigate life uninformed or informed? Ignorant or cognizant? Clearly, it's better to walk through life informed. See, our walk of faith, we are people of faith. But our walk of faith with God through Jesus Christ, it's an informed walk. It's an informed walk. It's not a blind walk of faith. In this word asleep in verse 13, it says about, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep. That word asleep is koimeo in the Greek. Koimeo, it's a common word for sleep. And it was often used as a euphemism for death in Greek, Jewish, and Christian writings. What word do you think we get from this word koimeo? I think you said it, Ruth. Coma. Coma, which means to like you're sleeping. Take a look at your screens. If you want, I'd encourage you to take a picture of this. This would be something you can look up later. Some great uh, scripture references in there. So take your phone out and take a pic- picture if you want. One commentary says this. This is not sleep of the soul. So I want you, to, I want you church, to understand what's going on in this, in this text. This is not sleep of the soul, however, because Paul wrote elsewhere that a Christian who is absent from his body is present with the Lord. It is rather the sleep of the body in the earth until it is resurrected, changed into a glorious body and reunited with the soul. That's what's happening here. That's what Paul wants them to understand. Let's read verse 14. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Let me give you the NRSV version of this verse. Check this out. This is what verse 14 is telling us about information. For since we believe, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we also believe that Jesus will take us with him. In other words, this word belief is it's belief based on truth. Because we know it to be true is how this verse is read. Because we know it to be true that Jesus died and rose again, then we also know it to be true that we will rise with him and be taken up with him. It's it's a belief based on truth, not a belief based on faith. See, it wasn't a stretch for Paul and Silas and Timothy to believe that Jesus died and rose again. It wasn't a stretch for them at all. Jesus' disciples having seen the death of Jesus and having seen him alive on the third day 
and having spent time with him before he ascended to heaven, were in relationship with Paul. They're just declaring to Paul what they already knew. And then Paul himself had an encounter with Jesus. So when it says that we believe that Jesus died based on fact, based on truth, we know the truth that Jesus died and rose again. Therefore, we also know the truth that we will rise with him. This belief is an informed belief. It's a belief based on information. It's a belief based on truth. Praise be to our God. Our bodily resurrection is simply being tied to the informed, truthful resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's all that this is saying in our verses today. So, we fall asleep, we die, one of two ways. Let's read verse 14. Here's the first way. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. That's the first way. You can either fall asleep in Jesus, die in Jesus, or what's the other way you fall asleep? In your sins. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 24. Jesus says this. He says, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am the Savior, the Messiah, you will die in your sins. That's it. You got two choices. So you can die in Jesus or you can die in your sins. Two destinations away, each of those paths. All right. More information. Let's look at verses 15, 16, and 17. Let's read those verses. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, the rapture, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive. And so Paul anticipated that the Lord would come during his lifetime. He says, we who are alive, Paul writes. I wonder if that's why Paul lived the kind of life he lived. If he fully expected every day that he woke up that the Lord would come that day, if he lived his life with that expectancy of the rapture, wouldn't that be a great way to live, to wake up each day and say, Lord, this is the day you're coming? Would that give us a different kind of readiness? Let's finish verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, shall all, and so we shall always be with the Lord. In these three verses, there's four pretty awesome particulars that are taking place in these four verses. Let me give you the first particular. The first particular from verses 15, 16, and 17 is this. The dead will rise and join the Lord prior to the living joining him. That's what these verses tell us, right? The dead will rise and join the Lord prior to the living joining them. So, if you want to see the Lord first... If you're competitive, I'm just saying. I'm just showing you what it says. It wouldn't be such a bad thing, right? I got there first. I'm a little competitive. (laughs) That's the first amazing particular. The second amazing particular is this. The Lord's descent will be with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. He's going to come victoriously. Everybody's going to know this. 
God's come to get his own. It's going to be quite a day, the day of rapture. The third amazing particular is this. Those who were dead and those living will be caught up together to meet the Lord. And then the fourth amazing particular is this. All believers will be with the Lord forever. That's pretty awesome. Let's read verse 18, church. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We're still in the information part, right? We're doing information before we do inspiration. And so the informative purpose of verses 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, the informative purpose of those five verses that precede verse 18 was to bring comfort. That's the informative purpose. God informs us to bring comfort to us. The purpose of these verses 13 through 17 is is consolation, not speculation or argumentation, but consolation to comfort Sometimes we take God's words that are meant to comfort and we want to argue about them and make up things about them and get into our petty doctrines. And Paul says, comfort one another with these words. I want to give you the last piece of information. Turn to your left in in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's some really good information. And I would encourage you when you have time to go through these verses again on your own. Let's read verses 35 through 55 out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 35. Someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow... You do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But but God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, another of beasts, birds, fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, but it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Verse 50. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, 
For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Is that amazing? That's awesome. That's good information. Praise be to our God. Now we're in our second component, the second thing, this thing called inspiration. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians and let's read verse 13. Verse 13, some inspiration from verse 13. Let's read 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. What that tells us is this. When our lives are informed, he's saying, don't be uninformed. We do not want you to be uninformed. When our lives are informed through the truth and power of Scripture, we live with hope. That's what verse 13 tells us. That's an inspiration. We are to live informed lives through the truth and power of Scripture. Because when we do, we have hope. This verse, verse 13, doesn't say that we won't grieve. It's just that we will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. That's what it tells us. We'll grieve, but not as those with no hope. So we grieve better because we have this hope, because it's an informed hope. And not only do we grieve better, but we have joy as well. Recently, Michael Cameron and his mom passed away. And just in processing with Michael, he's grieving, but he's grieving with hope. And he's grieving with joy because she's with the Lord. That's just a hug from our God. This hope that we have is an assurance from the Lord of a glorious and eternal future with him. Therefore, when we're uninformed, here's what happens unnecessary grief and hopelessness take place when we choose to remain uninformed. When we ignore the word of God, we endure unnecessary grief. We endure unnecessary hopelessness when we ignore God's word. So here's the reality. Check this out. It's not a tragedy when we die. It's not even a tragedy when we die young. The tragedy is if or when we die with no hope. That's the tragedy. Listen, if we spend eternity with the Lord, whether we're 20 or 100, 100 years or 20 years compared to eternity is like that. The tragedy is not that we die at any particular age. The tragedy is that we would die without the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's read verses 16 and 17 for some inspiration from these verses. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. This is where you're really going to feel the hug of God. I was brought to tears numerous times this week in studying these verses. Why? Check this out. Imagine. Imagine. Verse 16 tells us that the Lord himself will descend from heaven. When the rapture comes, 
I'm, I'm, I imagine God's a busy guy. And he could have just said, hey, man, I'm kind of tied up right now, but, you know, I, I got the rapture on my calendar, and so we got to take care of that today, and I'm just going to send a bunch of people under my employ to take care of it. That would make sense, and I'd be excited about that too. You tell me you're coming from God and I'm going, I'm like, okay, that's good, I trust you, I'm out of here. But it says God himself, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. How powerful is that? Imagine verse 17 tells us that we will meet the Lord in the air. We get to meet him. I, I know we walk with the Lord. I know that we belong to him, that we're children of his. But I look forward to meeting him in the air. Nice to meet you. Imagine verse 17 tells us that we shall always be with the Lord. Hey, look, the Lord himself will descend. We're going to meet him and we'll always be with him. I don't know how long you've been walking with the Lord, but I know that you're probably like me, and there's moments where you wonder if God's there. There's moments where you wonder, you know, does he really love me? There's moments where you just feel a void, and, and things are hard, and it seems empty, and, and life's a struggle, and you wonder, God, who are you? What, what's going on? Because we're fallen, and we're broken, and we're sinful people. And that's all going to be taken care of in this moment during the rapture. And it's just another hug from our Lord, just saying, it's coming. It's coming. The Lord himself will descend. We will meet him, and then we're going to be with him forever. I'm looking forward to that. These verses declare our Lord's love and desire and commitment for those who put their trust in him. Our last piece of inspiration from verse 18. Let's read verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Those words are there to bring comfort. The word of God brings comfort. We are to be in the word of God because the word of God brings comfort to a fallen world and to fallen people and to our shortcomings. So the word of God brings comfort. Being uninformed or being ignorant leads to grief. It leads to hopelessness. It leads to discomfort. As the church, we are to comfort one another with the truth of Scripture. That's what we're supposed to do. The people in that video, it's not the truth of Scripture. They didn't seem very comforted either. A lot of them looked a little uptight. But the truth of Scripture brings comfort. How much do we truly allow God's Word to comfort us? Do we allow God's Word to comfort us? Are we in God's word? Let me close with this. There's a guy named Charles Taylor. He's a Christian theologian and philosopher, and he has this thing called worldwide chaos. So we're going to go from this hug of God to a little bit of dark space here, okay? It's going to be awesome. He says this. He says, the translation of the church, that means the rapture, the translation of the church will be worldwide. For there are true believers in Jesus Christ in every country on earth. And they all shall be taken during the rapture. Every country will find itself in turmoil. Each government will have to act as quickly as possible to prevent a wild tide of anarchy and terrorism. Strong measures will be put into effect. Millions of people will suddenly disappear from the face of the earth, including all of the infant children. From all walks of life and from virtually every phase of life, there shall be people missing. The freeways subways, 
Airports and streets will be in shambles as many engineers, pilots, bus drivers, and a multitude of private car owners shall suddenly be caught up out of this world. It will be many days before they can unscramble the mangled cars, trains, and fallen aircraft. Remaining millions of people will be wailing, dazed and shaken by the event. They shall be frantically striving to locate loved ones in all of the rubble of broken cars and amid broken storefronts and smashed residences. Communications will be greatly disrupted. Many key persons shall disappear, and much of the lines of communications which are still above ground will be broken by crashes of cars and aircraft. Distraught and searching multitudes will, will jam and overload the communication lines and systems that do remain. Dazed and confused pleas from bewildered men over the alert systems will try to bring about some semblance of order. Policemen, firemen, and rescue crews will work around the clock. Hospitals will overflow. Emergency shelters and first aid stations will be inadequate. The Red Cross and all other emergency units, plus the Army facilities, will still not be enough. Opportunists will add to the confusion and the misery by looting and killing. They shall feel that under such a total emergency that they can get away with anything. And then he concludes, in all caps, chaos will be on every hand. But, not for us. Isn't that fantastic? Not for us. If we choose to live an informed life, if we choose to die in Jesus by committing our life to Jesus, we're either going to die in our sins or we're going to die in Jesus. Amen? I'm going to invite up the worship team. I'm going to close this in prayer. And church, if you need prayer after the service, as always, please see our prayer team. They're down here to the left, my left, your right, down in the corner. Please see them if you need prayer for anything. You guys, I'm not going to see you for a month. I'm going to be praying for you, praying for those that are filling the pulpit for the next three weekends. I miss you guys, and I covet your prayers. If you think about it, please pray for me in my throat, my vocal cords, please. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can fall asleep but not grieve as those who have no hope. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.